30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard You look up at the clock, and it's 11-11. It seems like those numbers are always coming up. You think about a friend you haven't talked to in ages, and the next time you pick up your phone, suddenly there's a random message from them waiting for you. It seems like images of rats are peeking out at you everywhere you look. On billboards, signs, graffiti, bar bathroom stickers, the covers of books, as if this animal totem was calling out to you. As if the universe was trying to attract your attention and get you to notice the magic all around you. But strangely, when you mention these happenings to friends, they all have the same reaction. Huh. What an interesting coincidence. No one seems to grasp the full import and majesty of what it is that's going on in your life right now, of what it is the universe is trying to communicate to you. Is this a magical awakening? Are you on the path to a greater destiny? Or are you having a manic episode? And you're seeing meaning where there is only random noise. This can be a tricky divide to navigate. Often, when we approach the magical path, we're going away from the mainstream consensus on what means what and how we derive meaning in our lives. That's an important leap to practicing magic, to being okay with marching to the beat of your own drum, to getting weird looks from other people. But when it goes too far, and when it takes you too far afield from the reality that everyone around you is experiencing, the reality that is appropriate and stable and maintainable, it can lead into the dark and stormy waters of mental illness. Manic episodes can lead to depressive episodes, and the cycle of magic can suddenly feel like soaring highs and dark, debilitating lows. In my own life, when I first discovered magic, the synchronicities were coming fast and furious. It was, it was a beautiful moment when I was planning my first sigil with the goal of connecting with somebody else who had magical experience, and then a random acquaintance came over, noticed an Aleister Crowley biography on my bookshelf, and said, Hey, are you into ritual magic? I've been doing that stuff since college. It works. Those moments are very exciting, but as the years went on, I began to notice another pattern. That the moments when the synchronicities would flood me would also flood me with a feeling of being high, an energy that was just coursing through my existence. And that was exciting. But in a matter of days, or at most a week, that energy would wane, and then suddenly I would be feeling low and trapped in the mundane and not sure how to get back that spark of magic that had been so illuminating and exciting. 
Navigating these ups and downs has become a new part of my magical practice, one that takes mindfulness, awareness, and checking in with those around me to make sure that the way that I'm perceiving things is not so out of step with the way that everyone else sees them. My guest today, Nat Natchemson, is more than just a friend. They are, in fact, my sorcerer's apprentice. We have developed a strong bond this year, working on a variety of events and projects, and through that, we've had a number of discussions about mental health and their own experiences navigating that fine line between magic and manic. It's been helpful to me, and I feel like it'll be very helpful to any of you listening who are wondering how to tell magic from manic. Well, hello, Nat. Hello, Devin. Welcome to Ritual Space. Wow, this is incredible. So glad to have you here. Thank you so much. It's about darn time, I think. <laughs> is it? I feel like this is a dream come true. We're all living in a dream. <laughs> and in this dream that we're co-creating, co-sharing at this moment, what is our magic word going to be? The magic word is honor. Honor. Excellent. So audience, say it with us on the count of three. One, two, three. Honor. honor. And it is an honor to share this space with you. Thank you. I, that's part of what, uh, why it came to the front of my mind. Yeah. It's an honor to share this space with you. Now, I'm very excited about this conversation. I'm very excited about sharing it with the world because this is something that I think is personal to, to both you and I. And it's a conversation we've had before about magic and how wonderful magic can be and how it can also be a knife's edge where on one side you're falling into sort of depression and ruts and, you know, none of this is even real. What am I deluding myself for? And then on the other side, you're like, delusions ho! And it's <laughs> yes. not magic, it's manic. Yes. So I would love if you could talk a little bit about um, your own experience walking this, uh, this tightrope and how you kind of came to uh, some of the realizations that you've shared with me. Sure. Um, I think it's interesting that you're inviting me to tell my story because I was nervous before I got here and a little voice in the back of my mind said, just tell your story. <laughs> um, and sort of like that little voice I find is very healthy. But I think in my own practice, I found that magic, like anything else, if taken to its extremes, can be dangerous or and and or unhealthy. But magic in, in a disciplined way, you know, disciplined maybe being a, a harsh word, or music in a balanced way, music, yeah. magic the in a balanced path. way. The middle yeah, path. Exactly. Like, I tend to follow that the Buddhist idea of the middle path, magic in a balanced way, is very healthy and has been extremely helpful to me in my personal development. Mm -hmm. But um, in terms of m magic versus mania, I think there are some key things that can clue people into, am I having a manic episode or is this just part of my magical experience? Yeah. And these things really have nothing to do with magic. It's like things like when I'm manic, I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. I am up at four in the morning and I want to go out and take a walk wherever. Like, And, you know, there's, there's spirits inspiring me and I must do this immediately. So it's sleep, mm -hmm. lack of impulse control. Mm -hmm. Uh, and f like sort of a an extreme fearlessness. Mm. It's like mania. When I'm in a, an, a, in a sort of a 
if I'm if I'm in trance, like if I'm doing a magical practice, mm-hmm. and you know I'm thinking about things and I'm processing them, they're not in they're not um catalyzed by this you know need to expel large amounts of energy. Yes, I'm not bombarded with spirits. I'm listening i i have boundaries with my spirits it's like you've got a nice stream from the faucet rather than a fire hose which is right whipping around every which way and soaking things exactly like i have set boundaries with the they're not voices in my head i don't have hallucinations personally mm-hmm. but the 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 like the thing that i heard that said tell your story felt like it came from a, a place of other mm-hmm. not the standard internal monologue but like if I have a thought or I hear a quote unquote spirit that would tell me to do something that I don't want to do, I say no. Yeah. And I think that discernment is very key because uh, even just, you know, the experience of synchronicity, you know, gets yes. very exciting. Like, And I've had this weird experience where I'll be walking. When I first got into magic, it started happening. I'll be like walking and I'll feel very strong tug suddenly like in a certain direction yes and i'll be like wait hold on like i guess like walk back here and i've had moments where i'm on the street and it's like it's like the person like staring at their phone trying to like see which way the little blue dot is going and i'm like wait back this this way and then it's like no it's this way and i'm kind of like spinning around and it like can't make up its mind and there's some times where i've decided to just listen to it and be like all right i'm gonna go this random other way yeah and see what happens and assume that i would have like fallen down a manhole if i kept walking straight right and then other times i'm like uh i'm sitting on a street corner spinning whatever this is clearly doesn't know where it wants me to go and i'm late (laughs) for a thing so like fuck off like i'm going to my thing now like let's let's keep going exactly you got to have that discernment and that ability to kind of step in as the moderator and be like okay rational voice says this irrational voice says this uh winner goes rational this time let's let's uh let's let's just go get some food i'll give you an example please uh i went to salem recently salem massachusetts am Mm -hmm. i yeah i went to salem massachusetts recently and i went into this uh witchy store and i heard a voice say i i want you to get me that dragon the dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a statue. And I was like, okay, since it's a dragon, it was my demon friend. Mm. Uh, it was my demon friend, uh, Bime. Mm-hmm. The dragon demon. One of the go- go- This is a demons. dragon demon that you work with or... It's a dragon demon that I work with. One of the 72 Goetic demons. Okay. <laughs> and I don't have a formal practice. So so I was like, no, I'm not buying you that. And, and then I went around the store and it just kept calling to me. So I'm yeah. I'm negotiating with this this demon. And I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, I'll see how much it is. And it was only $25. And since I could afford it, I bought it. Yeah. But if it was $50, I would have said, no, sorry, demon, I'm not buying it. Yeah. And like, that's why I think, I think, you know, working with entities is like having relationships with people. Mm-hmm. You need to communicate and you need to set adequate boundaries. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> and I think that's what, what will protect people in their magical practice from like getting to the point of mania because mania is a lot of in, like inhibition and no boundaries. Like there's no walls. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the other thing I wanted to, I had written some notes down of like what I wanted to talk about. And it's like one of the things that I find that cues me into being manic as I have a weird relationship with space and time when I'm manic. 
it feels like if you've anybody out there has seen Watchmen, it feels like kind of like being Dr. Manhattan. It's like, oh, I'm one with everything and everything is one with me. And like time is not real. But then, you know, you can't end up getting to work on time if you live like that. So it's like when we talk about grounding our practice, I feel like in part that means like a way of making sure that you stay in the physical world because we do live on this earth and the physical world is part of the reality. It is reality and is part of our experience. And it's not, maybe some people can achieve this, but for most people, I feel like we have our magical practice, but we also have to live in the world as it exists for most people. When I first started on my path to wizardry, I had this idea that reality is a democracy. Yeah. Which... (laughs) <laughs> is is not is like you know that's not the be all end all, but like we live in groups of consensus where everyone's like, oh, obviously a demon got into your food and made you sick, so that's what's the cause, and then you live in a different consensus reality where people are like, no, wash your fucking hands, brah, like, and yeah. you know you're going to be crazy. If you're in one of those groups and you're saying the other thing, like if you're not in agreement with the people around you, that's how you get diagnosed as out of sorts. And sometimes you're in one group that is delusional and then there's a larger group that comes in and kind of squashes it. There's cults where they're like, this is real, this is happening. And then the wider world kind of steps in and is like, no, you're all, you're all, you know, like wearing tinfoil hats in the dark. Like, please don't kill yourself. Like, we're going to get you some help. Right. And so... When I decided to become a wizard, I was like, okay, I need to get other people to believe I'm a wizard. I can't just believe it on my own. And I need to do what I call tagging up, which is like checking back to base reality and making sure that I'm operating functionally at that level. Yes. Because otherwise, I could be the most powerful wizard that ever lived, master of time and space, who's literally like shitting his pants on the subway (laughs) and has no idea. I'm like fighting dragons and conquering the universe and people are like, oh, I think that guy just crapped himself for the third time. Yeah, I watched this documentary. I I completely agree with that. I I usually I say reality is based on consensus all the time. Mm-hmm. It was in my notes. <laughs> um, I'm glad we're here. we're consenting to this. We're consenting, yeah. And it, um, in I think you know sometimes we have also like magical experiences that are shifting reality in a consensus for limited amounts of time. Like I think mm. going to a play or watching a movie or reading a book or artistic experiences are sort of different accepting a certain reality but for a brief period of time when you're like you know engrossed in that great conversation with a friend like yeah exactly when you both agree that like we can play make-believe for a minute that's like a really powerful fun thing yes and that's the joy of connection and community and like uh you know what Hakeem Bey called the temporary autonomous zone where we can be like we're going to be in this space and we're going to not play by the normal rules that exist outside of the door. Yeah, I think there's different shades of reality. Um, I call, I check in with myself and I call it my inner Mulder and Scully. Ooh, I like that. And I couldn't wait to make this reference because now I can say to the public that I think that Lisa Ann looks just like Jillian Anderson. Oh, my fiance Lisa Ann, yeah. Oh, his fiance. No, everybody should know who L.A. Marx is. Fabulous Um, poet. She's a fabulous poet poet. And she does look, she reminds me a lot of Jillian Anderson. Anyway, I, whenever I have sort of a see a synchronicity or like have a thought that's like magical or I don't, you know, I think I try to provide the uh, devil's advocate for it, sort of mm. the rational explanation. Like instead of just saying, it's, it's aliens. 
Yeah. I tried to also look at like what could be another explanation for this. Ah, so it's uh, so it's like you hold the Mulder. It's like like the angel and devil on your shoulder as yep. Mulder, Mulder being like, "Hey, it's eleven eleven. This means something." And then it's Scully being like, "You look at the clock a lot. Yes. You've noticed a lot of other times today that weren't eleven eleven. Don't freak out about it. That doesn't mean that you need to buy a Ferrari. Exactly." Because the, the, the Mulder tends to take over when I'm manic. And if you just have Mulder with no Scully, he's he's going to get fired from the FBI, just like X-Files. It's like a sandwich that's all jelly, no peanut butter. Exactly. Like, ba- again, we go back to balance. balance. Balance, balance, balance. There must be balance in the forest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I'm, I'm curious. Did you discover the mania first or the magic or at the same time? The magic came first. When did you get into magic and discover? Uh, I started really seriously practicing. Neo-paganism was kind of the first branch out because I was working with Kiernanos. Mm. And my first experience... Well, I've had... What is Kiernanos? He is a Celtic horned god Mm. and sort of like the god of the earth. He's a stag. Um, Various kind of like Saturn-like. Yes, very like Saturn energy like fatherly figure. I mean, I had sort of had like weird spiritual experiences my whole life because I was raised Catholic. And like one time I thought I was being possessed by Satan, like Satan, like the devil, like the Catholic devil, not like Satan. The other horn guy. Yeah. So I was processing that trauma, that fear. And I heard, I felt that same feeling, but my ex-boyfriend had taught me about Kiernanos Mm. and I heard it in his voice instead. I had given Mm. it an identity. And so it was no longer scary. Yeah. And so I continued doing that work. And I don't think the magic had anything to do with my bipolar disorder. Um, It sort of came out a year later in a very bad depressive episode. I was given Zoloft. And uh, 32. 32. Yeah. I was, I think, I guess I was 20. I was 28 when I had my first depressive episode, like major, like serious depressive episode. And that uh, it, the the antidepressant helped it and I thought I was just getting happier because it was taking antidepressants but in 2016 it, it went into full-blown mania I didn't know it was mania I my ex-boyfriend thought I was manic I was like no I'm just happy just let me be happy yeah. um, as you jumped on the hood of his car yeah as yeah. I you know bought a car with no money and did all these misadventures and like did risky things like driving 100 miles per hour down the highway in a convertible that I rented that I didn't have any money for on Long Island in the rain. Yeah. And I, I am very grateful that I got through those scapes, uh, those scraps sort of more or less unscathed, at least, you know, physically alive and okay. But those are the kind of things that when there's no impulse control, it's it can be very, very uh, dangerous. It's like, I mean, I, I think like the, the 100 miles per hour is such a great metaphor for it where it's like it feels good to go fast but it's super dangerous and things are more and more close to being out of control then you know it's not like we all need to drive 20 miles per hour everywhere we go right but letting ourselves redline it is is making it hard to keep in the lane yeah i think it's also you know i think of mania as an altered state of consciousness sort of like taking a drug Mm mm-hmm so you're sitting there. I mean, a lot of doctors have said that mania is like taking cocaine. Yeah. Because it really like it makes you like up and have you have an enormous amount of energy. 
you feel creative and those things are very seductive so it feels since, since there's euphoria as well it feels like a very positive experience and it's hard to let go of but ultimately it's destructive yeah and that's where magic and mania i think are the difference if your magical practice is becoming destructive then is it really magic right <laughs> And I mean, I mean, I think, you know, I've always thought about that idea of kind of use your delusions. Like, yes, you know, I guess. Use them and be cool with your imagination. And we don't need to shut that out and live in this no. black and white world of everything has to be strict and rational and ordered. But um, yeah, like if it's. If everyone around you hates you, how is your magic really like working for you you know yeah like if you're doing prosperity magic and you're fucking broke and you're doing magic to like you know you're like i am the conqueror of worlds <laughs> blah 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 and everyone's like no you're a fucking mess and you're really hard to be around like right then you're totally out of tune with that consensus again and i think that's what that awareness is the other part about it magic's not just about manifestation and making your wishes come true it's about having that meta awareness of like how am i playing the game it's okay that i know it's a game but i still should be playing it i can't go into work and just be like whatever boss money's printed on paper it's an illusion man <laughs> yeah it's like okay but that illusion also pays your rent which keeps you indoors which is nice to be you if know, you, you kind of have to wear the monkey suit sometimes, you know. You got to wear a lot of suits. I think that's the thing that I always liked from Chaos Magic was like different suits for different occasions. And also it's all kind of part of the same thing. I think with Chaos Magic especially, it gives a really good lens for it as sort of being about probabilities and the greater scheme of things. Like I think that magic is not about, you know, some manifestation isn't a direct line. Mm -hmm. They don't work perfectly. It's not, you're going to manifest your own will every single time. It's you're making suggestions to like a greater consciousness to say, I want to direct the energy of my life in this way. Yeah. Or I want to direct the energy of my life in that way. And you know, the more, the more brain input that you put out and confidence that you have in that, the greater power you're going to have in your own magic. But if that magic isn't grounded in reality, it's probably not going to be productive in your life. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that like grounding it in reality and grounding it in the social sphere is really yes, important. Like, like a social reality, like a, mm -hmm. the greater, like the big picture because, you know, I think there are multiple levels of reality, as we sort of were, were talking about. I kind of think of it as a 20-sided die. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, the like, dodecahedron. I, yeah. I think of it as like like you can shift the lens and see a different side of reality. Which I think is a very useful skill um, in dealing with when your own mood is betraying you. Mm -hmm. um, because that's like one of my favorite exercises. I'll take myself from... A scale of one to five, one being the absolute fucking worst version of things that I could possibly imagine, <laughs> which is so extreme that it's like, it, it's like hard. Catastrophizing. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like beyond catastrophizing where it like, I'm like, okay, that's not really that realistic. Right. Like and you it, and I sitting here and like our, the, the apartment just spontaneously explodes or something. Or, uh, so I'd be like, this podcast sucks. Why did I have Nat over here? This podcast is going to be so bad that I'm going to lose all of my listeners and no one's going to like me and someone's going to come to the door and like hit me with a rock. And it's going to be like <laughs> so, gotcha. so bad that it's like, I'm like, all right, that's, it's not really that bad. That's like, that's kind of mean. And then the next one over would be like, okay, this podcast episode really is not going that well. It's going to be a pretty shitty episode. Like, I guess that just sucks, but whatever. Three is like, okay, this episode's great. Like, or it's fine. You know, it's just a standard episode. No big deal. Four, and this is where I think we're really at right now because this episode's <laughs> sweet. Four is like, 
yo, this is great. This is like a fantastic episode. And then five is like, I'm going to win the fucking Nobel Prize for this episode. Like, <laughs> right. That's where it gets like, Nat and I are going to get a million dollar grant to do wizardry <laughs> because of this. And it's not even about like jumping from one to the next, but just kind that. of laying them out. And then I'm like, all right, now, now, Devin, are you towards the ones and the twos right now? And I'm like, yes. And it's like, are you sure that's real? It's like, no. It's like, okay. And then it just helps kind of like wiggle yourself out of that like certainty, you know, out of the doom and gloom. Or on the other hand, the like, yeah, everything's fucking great, but it's harder to remember to do it when everything's great. I've been, I love that because it's like a, it's like an inner monologue scale. Mm-hmm. Like I've been working recently on trying to re- my, rewrite my inner monologue. And one of the things that my life coach has told me to do is ask is this true Mm. to continually ask is this true and it's been helping it's kind of like what you do is this really the truth Devin like Mm -hmm. are we in the ones and twos yeah when we're really more in the threes and fours and it's like it it really helps to sort of I think a lot of people really uh, find their comfort zone and a lot of negative self-talk and it's really hard to break out of that pattern yeah and it's what's incredible to me is thinking about like how much you can change your reality your world that you're living in with no discernible physical difference like you could be sitting at a bus stop being like i'm gonna throw myself in front of the bus my life is shit and i am miserable or you could be sitting there going i am god on earth and i am radiating love and perfection Mm -hmm. and to everybody else you look like just another putt sitting there listening to your headphones and that means that you know, there's a lot of things that sometimes like our life is hard and there's things that we should change materially to make those improvements. But sometimes it's literally just if we can shift on that dial right. a little bit, then it's like, wow, OK, my day is going to be totally different because I talked myself out of that funk this morning as, as right. best as I can manage. Like there's a difference for, for me in my personal story. I found like there's a difference between communicating with the angel Gabriel and mm. communing with the angel and actually thinking I was the angel Gabriel because for like a a, a couple of weeks I like literally thought I was like a physical manifestation of the angel Gabriel on earth and that's where you kind of get into that territory of like maybe you're you're having a delusion of grandeur Mm because you know I also think about I'm not sure whether or not magic can defy the laws of physics but I have not yet seen it literally defy the laws of physics in my own practice but psychologically or experientially, you can completely alter your experience just by your frame of mind, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, and that's where it gets tricky. If it can defy the laws of physics, it's probably a bad idea. It's probably like that sort of like time travel stuff where like yeah. when you fuck with the space time continuum, like, you know, you're you're trying to play guitar at your your parents prom dance and your hands fading away. Like. I don't think it would be good to do on a regular basis. And again, that consensus reality, I think it would be like, a, what was it, Birdman? Oh, You've seen Birdman? Yeah, 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 where, where yeah. He's meditating in Levantine Objects. Somebody else walks into the room and they're like, uh, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and you clearly just like punched the mirror. Right. And there's also the, I watched this great documentary called God Knows uh, Where I Am, mm. which I think is a cautionary tale for people who have bipolar disorder because this woman um, was, had, had by was diagnosed with some some of the doctors said schizophrenia some of the bi- said bipolar one with psychotic features which is what i have and i'm admitting that in yeah. public um, <laughs> because it's totally awesome fine you just have to take care of yourself 
but she had bipolar disorder and she ended up being released from the hospital, no medication, and ended up going into a house into the wilderness in New Hampshire during the winter and stayed up in the attic only eating apples because she was waiting for her imaginary boyfriend or God to come and rescue her. So, you know, there's one thing to be a wizard in training and be sitting here with a lovely person slash wizard having a podcast and talking about magic. And it's another thing to end up in winter in New Hampshire just eating apples. I mean, no, you bring up such a great point because like that self-belief is important and like we should dare to do amazing things and not be limited just by the the people that, you know, often can hold you back. You know, I mean, Jesus, tell a group of smokers you're going to quit smoking and you'll see how consensus reality wants to dominate you and bring you back down to a baseline level. But I I think you're absolutely right that it's um, it's important to do those check ins and like, is this true? And also we're talking probability, right? Like right. what's, what's, what are the odds? Exactly. Like what are the odds I'm going to jump out of this window and be able to fly because I bought this crystal at a gem show? Right. Very, very low. Right. What is the risk associated with it? Very, very high. That's probably a bad idea. I think that's a great way to look at it, Devin. Like the, the, the risk factor, the, yeah. the probability risk factor, because you know, it's a very low risk. I actually did not listen to your, uh, making a slightly better reality podcast hmm. because I wasn't sure if I wanted to shift my reality. It's that's a, <laughs> that's a very wise move. I mean, I think that I, I say that in full earnestness. I think I think it's good to know those limits, and I think especially like so. I want to want to thank yeah. you for sharing your your diagnosis, um, you know, publicly. I think that's very important and very powerful. Um, I think diagnosis, like you were just saying, this person was like, maybe this thing or maybe this other thing. Yeah. It's it's not like they do a fucking test and they're like, you have strep throat. Right, and everybody's different. It's not like the symptoms are going to manifest themselves the same way in every single person. So it's a murky thing, and I don't think that one like i think that's one model that we can use to talk about these things and i think it's a very useful model in a lot of ways and it's very helpful and especially sharing those things like when we talked about like i i'm not bipolar but i am very aware of these strong swings that i i think might be um what is it called cyclothymia i'm self-diagnosing here but we had a conversation about it and i was like you talking so openly and honestly about your experience allows me to one see all of the parallels and realize like oh I like I resonate with that so strongly that's like really true to me and also see the things that I was like oh I I, I haven't driven 100 miles per hour right. like <laughs> like okay cool like I this is helping me understand myself and understand you and it's useful to have those labels but I think it's also important to not just be exclusively focused on them and have this idea of like your mental your mental state not even illness but your mental state fits into one category and then that category automatically has some sort of treatment regimen of pills that you can then take which i'm not saying don't take pills i think medication can be Mm -hmm. very important but then there's probably other things to be investigated alongside it i think it's insane uh it's probably not the right word to use but it's troubling how often i think the prescription is the end of the treatment when it's like, no, there's like other stuff in that person's life that could yeah. also be, you know, worked on to create beneficial stability like we've been talking about. I mean, for me personally, with bipolar disorder specifically, I feel that it is a medical thing mm-hmm. and medication for me was necessary, but that the work doesn't stop there. Yeah. You know, if it's 
just medication, at least for me, would not help. I'm in therapy. I see a psychiatrist. I see a life coach. And part of my therapy is doing magical practice because it helps me become more self-aware. And I use my spirits, or not use them, sorry spirits, <laughs> but like I utilize my spirits in a way to reflect different parts of myself or things that I'm reaching for within to have a greater understanding of myself so that I can interact with the world in a more productive way and a more, you know, joyful way and all of these sorts of great things. And I think the Mulder and Scully thing you brought up is like just like the perfect example of that where you have found something in your own personal mythology that resonates with you yeah. and you're able to use that to tap into states of being within you that exist that are that are yes complementary and contradictory and then you're able to interrogate those in a positive sense to then get an understanding of like who do you want to listen to right now like, right like time cat yes <laughs> time cat is a deity that was was born i guess at mm -hmm. the wizarding hour by who was my partner at that event do you remember that was the lovely noah my, noah my, noah yeah. was wonderful and noah and i had a conversation about uh the thing that I think it was, you know, something that represents time. And he said a cat. And I was like, that's amazing. And he drew a cat. And since then, he's become Time Cat. And Time Cat was born. And I. This was at the uh, Build a Ritual workshop that we did, where yes. it was, we, whoever showed up that day, we came together, we collaboratively decided what the ritual we were going to do was. We were not following steps in a book. This was not a traditional magical practice. Right. But we were co creating it together. Yes. And out of that shared creativity, we, Time Cat uh, Time emerged. Cat, Time Cat emerged. And so I call on Time Cat when I, you know, feel like I want things to happen faster or I need extra time to get somewhere or I want to manipulate time and space in some way. And I know that in a sense, you know, Time Cat hasn't existed for all time in a certain way because I know that he was, you know, drawn by a human, mm -hmm. by Noah, but he's very real. Mm-hmm. He's also very real. And and it has worked. Ideas are real and powerful things. <laughs> exactly. The things that we hold in our head are real in in a sense. And they're not I'm not I don't want to create a hierarchy with reality where this thing is more real than the other thing. But I think it's important to continue to like the Mulder Scully analogy to continue to engage with all different levels of reality so that we don't get stuck in one. Mm -hmm. because like also consider the opposite if you're thinking of just earthly and mundane things and you're getting bogged down with like i gotta do my job i gotta make money i gotta pay the loans mm -hmm. i gotta do the all these things and there's there's no sense of wonder there's no sense of awe in your life i think it can be you know speaking from my personal experience it can be very lonely living life on mute yeah it's like you've you've turned off an aspect of reality and you're like well, I'm not experiencing it, so therefore it's not there. And it's like, it's, it's no, it's an add-on. Like, pour some, some extra whipped cream on your Sunday, buddy. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's like putting some more, turning up the vibrance a little bit. But if you turn your, if let's take a picture. So I always use like uh, mania and depression as being like a photograph, mm. where the photograph is a picture of me. So there's me, like a baseline. It's just yeah. a regular picture of me. But for the people who are familiar with Photoshop, if you turn the saturation all the way up, yeah, it, all the colors get blown out and it looks crazy, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't look good. Mm -hmm. It's not aesthetic, but it's still you. It's a picture of you, right? right? It represents you. Now, if you turn it all the way down, it's depression. It's gray. There's no color. It's muted. It's, it's still yeah. you, but it's mute. Mm -hmm. 
So like I try to exist in the sort of just a little saturation. Yeah. <laughs> just a just a, a pop of color, not like totally blown out colors. Well, you uh, when we talked before, you you introduced me to the term hypomanic, which yes. is like the step below manic. Yes. Like manics when you're going 100. This is when you're like doing a nice like 85. Yeah. You know, you're, you're still speeding, but it's a little bit more controlled. And that resonated so strongly because I was like, oh, that's totally what I've just called my ups. Mm-hmm. And I always have this image of just it's all green lights. I'll have an idea and I'm like, I can look out into the future and this idea is just going to crush like Whatever thing that I'm going to do at an event, it's just going to be the best and everyone's going to be cheering. It's just going to be so great. And then it's going to succeed and it's going to go on and on and on. And I'm just seeing like nothing but hope and optimism, which is then so frustrating when like the next morning or like two days later, that energy, like the cocaine kind of wears off. Yeah. And, you and then a, I'm like, a crash. fuck, I think this idea is actually stupid. And I think if I did it, it wouldn't work and I don't want to do it. And like, where did that where did that optimism go like right. it, it's very confusing it's very frustrating that's where the pendulum swing can yeah. be difficult because what goes up must come down and so I, the harder you the higher you go the harder you fall <laughs> and i think that was the big thing to learn was for the longest time i was like well the down is obviously the problem how do you how do you just stay up and then now i can even feel it in my body where like when i have like a really great epiphany when i'm like oh, this is so exciting. I have to like ground myself out afterwards because it's yeah. hard to sleep and I need to like calm my body down right. or the crash is going to be worse. It's like I need to drink the water and take the ibuprofen before bed or I'm going to be hungover. That's very, very smart. I think, yeah, hypo hypomania. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever really experienced hypomania, but I do like... I do like the feeling. I feel like my personal baseline is like a little lower than a neurotypical person or I don't know how to describe it. Like I've always been a little more sad. So I Mm -hmm. try to like keep myself a little more up. But uh, a lot of people, they found, you know, the hypomania can really make people creative. You know, that 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 extra energy is, you know, is beneficial in a way. But like, again, if it's if it's out of balance, that's where it becomes it could become a problem. I've tried to look so this up. So you said, you know. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've tried to look this up and I can't find the, the original study that I read, but I remember reading about how CEOs are often, they have a higher proportion of likelihood or whatever the statistical thing yeah, is yeah, to have a, a sibling with bipolar. And the thinking was that when you have that little bit of mania that allows you to like push for your idea and get really excited and believe in it, like that's useful. Yeah. And when you have that little bit of a depressive lull where you're like, fuck, we didn't get our investors to like fund this. Like, what are we going to do? You can kind of like depression is very critical. It's often directed at yourself. But if you can turn that onto the problem and you can be like, this is all the things that didn't work about it and not stay stuck on that stage, then it's like, you're like, cool, now I know what I need to fix and, like, move forward with. Right. And I mean, that, those are things that are useful, I think, if you're sort of in that middle zone, so you, and that, like, if you you stay sort of in the, I'm making a swinging motion with my hand. Yeah. <laughs> you could sort of see like if if you live on the end if you live on the the, uh, the big swings of the pendulum, that's where I think we fall into the trap. But mm-hmm. if we just let the pendulum swing on the smaller ends, it's easier to manipulate because once you get to those extremes, it's hard to use your brain and your thinking and your logic just to be like like you can't snap yourself out of a depressive episode right. or a manic episode, but what you can do is you know, do things that will that will guide your body into more of a stasis, uh, you know, equilibrium. 
like if you're depressed. I, I absolutely, and I think that's one of like, the things that's really tricky when talking about mental illness is that there's a sort of contradictory thing at the heart of it where it's like it's really not helpful when someone's having a depressive episode and people are like just cheer yourself up yeah. just like snap out of it like just think happier thoughts like that doesn't really work right but even when you're going through some really fucked up shit there's often something you can do yes like that's not it's not going to fix everything right but like even if it's just like calling that friend even if it's just like getting out of the house to take the walk around the block that you really don't want to do and you're forcing yourself to do like that little something can be so powerful Mm -hmm. but then it's so dangerous when people are like oh that little something is the like cheer yourself up out of it just like pull yourself up by the bootstraps yeah like I had a really bad depressive episode I was it was right after I had my big manic crash and I was living on my mother's couch in South Jersey after living in New York for many years and I was almost 30 and feeling very bad about myself because I was a kind of and still am like a go-getter person and like achievements and like the accoutrements of achievements Mm -hmm. and I felt very very bad about myself and I remember like one day my mom was like hey let's just go to the beach just look at the beach it was winter but since we lived 20 minutes from the beach in South Jersey we just went to the beach and I had a moment just a brief fleeting moment of Things are going to be okay. This beach is really beautiful. And even in the throes of depression, while it's not possible to just get up and snap yourself out of it, there are taking small baby steps, things that you can do to try to encourage the movement of your body and mind into a more positive direction. And then, you know, maybe you get professional help, you get medication, you do what you need to do to eventually heal from that. no, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, the the heart of the wizardry is what's the least you can do, because yeah. I think there's always. And it's OK if you can't do anything in the moment. I think that also is I think depression is a way as our body telling us we've worked too hard and we need rest. Oh, it I, forces you to rest. I, I'm sure it's a quote from somebody that's just become a meme. But there was that idea that depressed pronounced deep rest like (laughs) like you need to just let go of your ego sometimes like your ego the the whole burden of being you just comes to be too much and that you know is again one of these things that's contradictory because it's not like hey if you feel a little bit depressed you should totally binge watch tv for 72 hours that's a great way to get out of it but sometimes you gotta sometimes that's what you need to do like if you can't do anything but watch netflix for you know, a week or a month, do that, but remind yourself, you know, give yourself the opportunity to rest, but remind yourself that if you want to be out of this state, there that it is in your, it is in your power to be able to get out of it. When you're able to find that power again within you. I think like like what you're saying about like listening to the, to the voices in the positive way, like with discernment, like sometimes the voice is like, dude, just fucking just, just flop. Just like, just let go. And if you resist that, it's yeah. going to be worse. Like, right. Just you got to kill it, the shame cycle. You just got to let it go for a minute and just be and then be ready to listen to that other voice when it's like, go, go outside and eat a vegetable. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're, you're ready for the next the next part. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm. I think listen, also listening to our deepest inner voices is a, is, is a magical practice that I think is helpful in dealing with mental it's been helpful for me in dealing with mental health issues really like digging deep 
and asking about what's my truth? Mm-hmm. What's the truth of this situation? What what am I really feeling? Like I noticed, I wrote today on Facebook, I, I just finally noticed that like, when I get really upset, my body reacts before my mind does. Uh. And I don't know if other people experience this, but I tend to like, when I get like really angry, like, you know, quote unquote triggered, mm-hmm. I, I have to think about why I'm upset for a while before I arrive at like a logical conclusion. Yeah. And it, some that makes communication difficult sometimes. <laughs> and like I think magical practice is very helpful for that because the more you know about who you are and live your life as your authentic self, the more you can understand your own motivations and the motivations of others to be a more effective communicator. Absolutely. And we love this illusion that we're rational beings that are um, uh, we're rational beings that are consciously making informed decisions based on our flawless reason. And it's been proven time and time again that the emotional decision occurs first. The rational decision is the justification for the Mm. emotional decision. And so that, yeah, it comes from the body and then we get up and it's, it's so fascinating to see these studies that they've done where they, they've intentionally triggered something and then the person will explain at great length about like how they came to this reasoned conclusion. (laughs) And it's like, well, the record, we prompted you into this through this emotional stimulus. Right. Right. you're, You're not as clever as you think. And uh, I think, you know, I think part of magical practice, too, it's, you know, helped me like listen to my body. And sometimes it's helpful to follow that. They they call it a gut feeling for a reason because you can literally feel it in your stomach. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like you you can feel it like deep within you. And if you have that intuition, like sometimes things turn out good. So I'll give a shout out to my friend Hazel now, because like for one thing, when I was when I was manic, Mm -hmm. I had a very powerful voice tell me to say hello to her on the subway. Mm. And she was just a random person. We were on like an empty subway on the one train and it was like bombarding me. Like, you know, you have to talk to this person. You have to, you have to, you have to. So I gave in and I wasn't, I wasn't a manic state, but even if I wasn't, I think like that's the kind of thing that's important to be able to discern is to listen to what, what are the true intuitive feelings and what's all the noise. And that's, it's hard to discern that, but you know, I don't think I would be here if I hadn't met Hazel. Right. She introduced me to all of these different people and she introduced me to you in fashions like, you know, look where we are. She's been a wonderful, amazing friend for four years. And I think it goes back to that idea of like the the risk analysis of saying hi to someone on the subway. Generally speaking, there's exceptions, but generally speaking is relatively low risk. Someone might give you some tood, kind of be like, whatever, don't talk to me. You know, if, if, if the voice had been like. You need to French kiss that stranger. That's, yeah. Like that's where <laughs> Maybe getting... that's where you should take some pause and like think yeah. about your action. <laughs> and it's 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 so interesting because I I I love the whole spectrum of magic. And I think it goes from the traditional stuff that was, you know, written almost in code of like the alchemy and grimoires that are about very real spirits and ideas, but also kind of like, you know, working on yourself and becoming a better person is kind of at the heart of it. And then when you get into therapy, there's often this idea that there's this like strict chasm between like what is official therapy and what is like magic. Yeah. And then I've been reading so much more about therapy in the last few years and I'm constantly reading things where I'm like, yo, that's magical as fuck. What are you talking about? Like (laughs) that is legit. Right. And I mean, I think it's also okay to put, sort of your your own lens on things like when i work with lucifer i don't work with the christian concept of lucifer 
I work with my concept of Lucifer, the you know the the angel that represents liberty and freedom mm. and love and mm-hmm. music. And so it's like I don't believe in the devil, <laughs> and so I'm gonna you know those like. It, I think creating your own mythology is also important. Like what's the mythology, what's, what's the mythology that's, that's in your practice. That's within you. Yeah. Within you. I just your started doing, um, I just started doing, I've, I've done therapy a few different times, but I was finally like, okay, there's some of this stuff that like, I don't want to work on on my own anymore. Cause it's hard to work on things on your own. And so I've started doing internal family systems therapy and the whole practice is like going inside with, you know, the therapist kind of guiding you going inside seeing what voices come up like what characters come up being compassionate with them listening getting to know these parts of you yeah and you build out this cast of characters which is very similar to the sort of like you know deities i've picked up along the way that i use for different things or turn to in different times and it's it, it some of them play roles on both sides of that fence right i think of magic as sort of like that young the youngian concept of like collective consciousness Mm -hmm. so i think of it as sort of an interplay between a personal reality and an and the and the connecting to collective consciousness because like while we can have our own ideas of things they're also connected to greater archetypes or different ideas of things that are based on more of like that consensus reality concept and it's like you know you you can throw the book away but also like you know i can't there's always bias implied mm-hmm. unless you're you know creating something entirely unique but i think that's pretty difficult there's power in something that's totally unique and personal to you like uh, you know you created it like time cat like, yeah time cat you know has one sort of power or something that came from your childhood or something that's like you know uniquely right, like resonant to you but then there's stuff that's also powerful because it's shared whether that's Lucifer, which has a huge, vast history of mythology to pull from, right. or really Mulder is. and Scully, yeah. where when you tell someone about it, they go, oh, I get that. Whereas if you called them, you know, Shmoo and Moop, like, <laughs> same same exact idea, but it doesn't translate as easily. Right. I'm sure there, I'm are like, plenty, there are plenty of other Ar- Mulder and Scully archetypes. Oh, yeah. You know, the... Burton and Ernie. Sherlock and Watson, I guess. Kind of Sherlock's, like, going about. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't necessarily think things are magic, but... there's always Spock, yeah. Yeah, there's, like, a straight man, right? Yeah. There's always a... I have a straight man in my brain. Not, like, sexuality, but, you know, like... So... People know what that means. Absolutely. (laughs) You got a whole cast of characters in there. Yeah. one One of the internal family systems things is you're... It's, like, this metaphor of, like, you're driving a bus... And you have all of these different characters that are on the bus and no one's getting off. Like you're not trying to you can't kick any of these parts off. You're just teaching them all how to work together better through compassion. Right. And I think that's that's also when people say they're doing shadow work, Mm -hmm. like having all of those people on the bus without kicking them out. Like when you got that one in the back, that's just like having a party and smoking like being really cigarettes loud. and carving their initials into the bus seat yeah yeah exactly like even though we're not kicking them off the bus we're still going to talk to that that we're still going to treat that that guest that rider like a guest and see what you know how might we be able how, what might we learn from this <laughs> and the thing is is like they were all formed to take care of you yes you know they were all what felt like an appropriate response at one point, and now that response is just a little bit um, gone awry. The same way that it's uh, great to believe in yourself and be excited, but that can get a little bit out of bounds sometimes. Yeah. 
again, middle way. <laughs> middle way. Um, so what I would love to do now is is talk about what our spell is going to be, going back to that idea of the least you can do. Mm-hmm. And I think really specifically, um, you know, for people that are having intense magical experiences for what feels like a magical awakening, I know that can be very exciting and very powerful, but it's also... Uh, again like a fine line and so I would love for us to come up with a spell for anyone that's going through that of perhaps how to ground or check Mm. in or sort of moderate the flow of getting the fire hose down to something that is not you know turning off the synchronicity turning off the sparkles but Mm. making sure that you're not um, driving to Mexico with a a trunk full of skittles. (laughs) Could we make the spell uh, sort of a 24-hour ritual where you make sure you eat three healthy meals and sleep eight hours. Yeah, that's a great I one. Because I feel like that would really help bring people down. Yeah. You know, you got to have the body, like, the, the body come, the body has a lot of influence, I think, on how this works. And not sleeping and not eating just exacerbates it. So I think, like, ritualistically, like, allow yourself, I'm going to, I'm going to sleep eight hours tonight or I'm going to make sure I get a good night's sleep or like something like that. I, I love that because I think that's one of the issues with magic is that we often want the really fun convoluted answer for the everyday problem. Um, I think it was um, my, my guest that was talking about herbalism a while ago was talking about how like people come to the herbalist and they're like, yeah, I want like, I want a solution to these problems that I'm having. It's like, cool. Are you like, eating healthily and like sleeping a good amount and drinking water and like maybe doing some physical activity and they're like well no I want an herb to fix these things and it's like no you gotta do those first buddy and so I think that's one of the things that has been helpful for me is when I hit some of those down moments I'm like wait time like like wait until Wednesday like like let me just take a little time to like trust that I will feel differently soon and then also yeah handle those basics because like seriously like seven out of ten times it's like oh you weren't sleeping enough this week and it's just kind of taking the toll because spoiler alert sleep debt piles up and we don't acknowledge that or take care of it yeah I think sleep sleep is extremely important I I measure my sleep with a Fitbit every single night and it's made a world of difference in terms of dealing with my bipolar disorder is there a fun little like prayer or mantra that we could give people when they're they're doing their 24-hour wizard approved eight hours of sleep three square meals you know i think the thing that came to me immediately was i am of the earth love it um because when you're up when you're up in that space of that astral realm to sort of you know i one of my friends said that it was like icarus flying too close to the sun when i was manic and I kind of like the up-down metaphor, even though that's not exactly how it works. But remember that you're living on Earth. You are on this planet. There are laws of physics. You are of the Earth, and there's nothing wrong with that. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Nat. Thank you so much, Devin. If our conversation today resonated with you, and you feel like you might be experiencing something that goes beyond magic and into the territory of mental health, we encourage you to visit www.7cups.com. That's the number seven, Cups, C-U-P-S. It's a free online resource with trained listeners who are there 24 hours to hear you, to help you, and to direct you 
with the resources you need. And for more of this podcast as a ritual, please just stay tuned with an open heart and an open mind as the years of this new decade unfold one by one. And together, we grow this magic into something that is shared, creating a new consensus reality that is stable and beautiful and profound. If you'd like to contribute to that dream, we'd always welcome a visit to patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual where a donation of $4.20 helps this podcast grow and expand into the dawning decade, creating more magic for us all to enjoy. I believe in you. Stay safe. Stay reasonably sane.